This is Space Time Series 26, Episode 74, for broadcast on the 21st of June, 2023. Coming up on Space Time, the Bepi Colombo mission undertakes its third Mercury flyby. Rare Earth metals discovered in the atmosphere of a glowing hot exoplanet. And a new study suggests the Earth may have been built a lot faster than previously thought. All that and more coming up on Space Time. Welcome to Space Time with Stuart Gary. As we go to air, the Bepi Colombo spacecraft is undertaking its latest close flyby of the planet Mercury, passing just 236 kilometres above the baking hot planet's surface. This is the third of six gravity assist flybys of Mercury being undertaken by the Joint European Space Agency and Japanese Aerospace Exploration Agency spacecraft. The flybys, together with more than 15,000 hours worth of challenging solar electric propulsion operations, are needed to help the spacecraft fight against the enormous gravitational pull of our Sun, in order so it can eventually lose enough energy to be captured into Mercury's orbit in 2025. During this close approach, Bepi Colombo is arriving on the night side of the planet, meaning the most interesting views of Mercury's surface will be recorded by the spacecraft's monitoring cameras. While it's a welcome opportunity to snap images and fine-tune science instrument operations at Mercury before the main mission begins, the primary reason for the flyby is to use the planet's gravity to guide Bepi Colombo's path through the inner solar system. The mission, launched on an Ariane 5 rocket from the European Space Agency's Kourou spaceport in French Guiana back in October 2018. And it's making use of nine planetary flybys. There was one of the Earth, two of Venus, and now six of Mercury, all needed to slow it down enough to achieve Mercury orbit insertion. Now, after this flyby, the mission enters a very challenging part of its journey, gradually increasing the use of solar electric propulsion through the use of additional propulsion periods known as thrust arcs. These are designed to continually break against the enormous gravitational pull of the Sun. Now, these thrust arcs can last from a few days up to several months, with the longer arcs only interrupted periodically for navigation and manoeuvre optimizations. Mercury is the least explored rocky planet in our solar system, with one of the main reasons being that getting there is really difficult. As Bepi Colombo gets closer to the Sun, the powerful gravitational pull of our local star accelerates the spacecraft towards it. Gravity assist flybys are a great way to change course and slow down without using a lot of fuel. But they're also far from simple. Mission managers need to precisely guide Bepi Colombo so that it passes Mercury at exactly the right distance from exactly the right angle and at exactly the right velocity. Now all this was calculated years ago, but it needs to be as close to perfect as possible on the day. ESA flight dynamics expert Frank Budnick says as Bepi Colombo starts feeling Mercury's gravitational pull, it'll already be travelling at 3.6 kilometres per second with respect to the planet. Mind you, that's just over half the speed it approached during the previous two Mercury flybys, so it slowed down a lot. But to be captured by Mercury, we need to slow down even more, and so scientists use the gravitational pull of the Earth, Venus and Mercury in order to do that. 
Mission managers have already performed the largest chemical propulsion manoeuvre of the mission so far. The purpose of that was to correct errors in Colombo's orbit that had accumulated as a result of thruster outages during the previous one-and-a-half-month-long slow electric propulsion arc. Correction manoeuvres on the approach to a flyby are all part of normal operations. Without these, Bevy Colombo would have been some 24,000 kilometres too far from Mercury and on the wrong side of the planet. To be on the safe side, and to ensure there's no chance that the mission could end up on a collision course with Mercury, this latest manoeuvre was designed so that Pepe Colombo would pass the rocky planet at a slightly higher altitude than needed. The extra margin was a good bet, and cancelled out previous errors that had crept into the flight path as the spacecraft traversed millions of kilometres of space. Now, at the moment of closest approach, Pepe Colombo will have accelerated to 5.4 kilometres per second with respect to Mercury, courtesy of the planet's gravitational pull. Overall, the flyby will reduce the spacecraft's velocity magnitude compared to the Sun by 0.8 kilometres per second, and it will change its direction by 2.6 degrees. This mission marks the first time that the complex solar electric propulsion methods being used to get a spacecraft to Mercury and it represents a big challenge for the remaining part of the cruise phase. And while all this is underway, mission managers have been dealing with the COVID-19 pandemic back on Earth. They've also had to deal with communications delays of more than 10 minutes due to the time it currently takes signals to travel between the Earth and the spacecraft. While many instruments have already been activated during the cruise phase, some will also operate during this flyby, providing another tantalising glimpse of the Mercury science expected during the main mission. Magnetic, plasma and particle monitoring instruments are sampling the environment before, during and after closest approach. And this is also the first flyby for which Pepe Colombo's laser altimeter and the Mercury Orbiter Radio Science Experiment are operating. Once in Mercury orbit, the laser altimeter will measure the shape of Mercury's surface, and the radio science experiment will investigate Mercury's gravitational field and core. Collecting data during flybys is extremely valuable for science teams in order to check their instruments are functioning correctly ahead of the main mission. It also provides a novel opportunity to compare with data collected earlier by NASA's MESSENGER spacecraft. It visited Mercury between 2011 and 2015. Once it arrives in Mercury orbit in December 2025, EpiColombo's two science modules, ESA's Mercury Planetary Orbiter and JAXA's Mercury Magnetospheric Orbiter, will separate from each other and the Mercury Transfer Module used during the cruise phase, and they'll then enter complementary orbits around the planet. Because of the configuration of the spacecraft during this cruise phase, the main science camera has been shielded and will remain so until the spacecraft modules separate. But during the flybys, snapshots are being taken by Bepi Columbo's monitoring cameras. During this closest approach, Bepi Columbo's in Mercury's shadow, so the illuminated part of the planet only entered the spacecraft's field of view around 13 minutes after closest approach, when Bepi Columbo was already 1,840 kilometres away from the planet and moving away fast. It means there were no illuminated images from the closest approach itself. Cameras do provide black and white snapshots in 124 by 124 pixel resolution. But because of their position on the spacecraft, these cameras are also capturing other things, one of the Mercury Transfer Module's solar arrays and one of the Mercury Planetary Orbiter's antennas. But the planet itself will be there in the background. This report from ESA-TV.
Allumage de ZAP, décollage. The Bebe Colombo mission to Mercury is off to a successful start. Within hours of launching from the European spaceport in French Guiana, the spacecraft had unfurled its antennas and two 15-meter solar arrays. Monitoring cameras even took some selfies, showing one of the solar panels and two antennas. A few days later, the spacecraft deployed a three-meter boom containing sensors to record magnetic fields. The sensors have already returned their first data. Images from the NASA Messenger mission are the best we have of Mercury. It has highlands and lowlands like other planets, but unlike Earth, Mercury rotates on an axis perpendicular to its orbit. Due to the fact that Mercury is not tilted, there are some craters on the poles uh, where the sun never shines into it. And uh, on, inside these craters, Messenger found water ice. It was detected even earlier in the 80s uh, from ground that there were rather bright spots and there were some hints that it might be water ice. But now for Messenger, we are pretty sure that we have water ice in craters. And that's uh, pretty much surprising. Think about it. If you have a planet on the surface 450 degrees, and then you have water ice at the poles, it's kind of unbelievable. Fortunately, there's an instrument on board called MERTIS, which can measure the surface temperature directly to see if it's cold enough for water ice. Knowing the makeup of the planet's dark surface is also important. A team at DLR, the German space agency, have built a special chamber to heat up samples to examine how they behave at high temperatures. These can then be compared with what will be found on the planet. Planetary scientists are unsure how it formed. It could have originated beyond Mars, with an impact pushing it closer to the Sun. Or it could have formed at lower temperatures in its current position. If so, current theoretical models will need a rethink. And one of the things why I like working on Mercury is uh, we need to understand Mercury in order to understand how planets form. Uh, if we have a model that forms all planets but not Mercury, that model is basically useless because you need to get that one as well. NASA's MESSENGER mission did a great job, but Bebe Colombo consists of two orbiters using complementary orbits with more combined instruments. Plus, unlike MESSENGER, it will obtain high-resolution images of the entire planet. The planet is also shrinking in size, possibly due to cooling. Plus, there may be active volcanoes, so there is much more to learn. Mercury is a very mysterious planet. Every time we went there, we found new surprising results. And uh, that is the reason why we do BepiColombo. And we hope with BepiColombo, on one hand, we are able to answer many of these new questions. But I'm pretty sure we found a lot of new surprising results, which raise new and other questions which we then need to follow up. Bepi Colombo arrives at the planet in 2025. Then, for this joint mission from ESA and the Japanese space agency JAXA, it will be time to unlock Mercury's mysteries. This space time. Still to come, rare Earth metals discovered in the atmosphere of a glowing hot exoplanet 
And a new study suggests the Earth may have been built much faster than previously thought. All that and more still to come on Space Time. Astronomers have discovered rare Earth metals in the atmosphere of a distant glowing hot gas giant exoplanet. Exoplanets are planets outside our solar system that are orbiting stars other than the Sun. Since the discovery of the first exoplanet in the mid-1990s, over 4,000 have been found. And of these, KELT-9b is the hottest exoplanet known to date. A report in the Astronomy and Astrophysics Journal and on the pre-press physics website archive.org shows that the planet KELT-9b contains signatures of gaseous iron and titanium in its atmosphere, together with traces of vaporized sodium, magnesium, chromium and the rare earth metals scandium and yttrium. Located some 950 light-years away in the constellation Cygnus the Swan, KELT-9b exemplifies the most extreme of the so-called hot Jupiters. These are gas giants, usually in close orbits around their host stars, sometimes within orbital periods less than a few Earth days. In the case of KELT-9b, its host planet, KELT-9, is almost twice as hot as the Sun. Therefore, the planet's atmosphere also reaches extreme temperatures, often around 4,000 degrees Celsius. That's hotter than the surface temperature of many stars. Now, in such heat, all elements are almost completely vaporised, molecules are broken apart into the constituent atoms, once again very similar to the outer plasma layers of stars. Now, this means that the atmosphere contains no clouds or aerosols, and the sky is clear, mostly transparent to the light of its star. Now, The atoms that make up the gas in the atmosphere absorb light at very specific colours or wavelengths, and this provides scientists with a unique fingerprint or spectra of the planet's atmospheric chemical composition. Using the HARPS North spectrograph on the Italian National Telescope at La Palma on the Canary Islands, the study's authors initially found iron and titanium atoms in the hot atmosphere of KELT-9b. And follow-up observations not only confirmed the original detections, but also found evidence of additional elements. In fact, the survey included 73 atoms, among which were some so-called rare-earth metals. These are substances which are less common on Earth but are applied in advanced materials and devices. One of the study's authors, Kevin Heng from the University of Bern, says the team suspected that the planet's spectra could be a treasure trove containing a multitude of elements that have not been observed in the atmospheres of other planets before. After careful analysis, the researchers indeed found strong signals for vaporized sodium, magnesium, chromium and the rare earth metals scandium and yttrium. Hanging colleagues were also able to use these signals to estimate the altitude in the planet's atmosphere where these atoms were at, and they were able to observe strong global wind patterns high up in the atmosphere, blowing this material from one hemisphere to the other. Heng says with further observations, many more elements might well be discovered on KELP-9b, perhaps also on other planets heated to similar high temperatures. This is Space Time. Still to come... A new study suggests the Earth might have been built a lot quicker than previously thought. And later in the science report, a new study confirms that China and Russia are rapidly expanding their nuclear stockpiles. All that and more still to come on Space Time. 
A new study claims that the Earth was created much quicker than previously thought and it came complete with its water, a sort of package deal. The findings, reported in the journal Nature, counter the commonly held scientific view that it took hundreds of millions of years for the planet to form and that its water supply arrived later by way of comets, more likely asteroids. We know that like the other planets in the solar system, the Earth was formed by the condensation of gases into dust grains in a protoplanetary disk around the early nascent Sun some 4.6 billion years ago. These dust grains began clumping together under static electricity and gradually grew bigger, forming pebbles and then boulders, which clumped together with other pebbles and boulders under their mutual gravity, eventually forming hot magma ocean-covered protoplanets. And over time, these would slam into each other, accreting together to form the proto-Earth. Then around 4.5 billion years ago, a Mars-sized planet called Thea slammed into the proto-Earth, melting the whole thing back into another magma ocean, which eventually coalesced and cooled to create the Earth and Moon system we have today. In this scenario, presence of water on Earth was a sort of chance event, created during the late heavy bombardment period, which lasted from the Thea impact until around 3.9 billion years ago, and during which time, meteors, asteroids and comets were flung towards the inner solar system and consequently the Earth by the outward planetary migration of the two gas giants Jupiter and Saturn to their current orbital positions. However, the new study suggests a quicker alternative. The study's lead author Martin Bizarro from the University of Copenhagen says his research shows that the early accumulation of small millimetre-sized pebbles happened very quickly, taking just a few million years. Bizarro says once a planet reaches a certain size, its gravity in orbit acts like a sort of vacuum cleaner, sacking up all the dust in its path very quickly. And that makes it grow to the size of the Earth in just a few million years. This vacuuming up of small dust particles not only played a vital role in Earth's formation, but also made sure that water was delivered to the planet. That's because these protoplanetary disks also contain lots of icy particles. As the vacuum cleaner effect draws in the dust, it also captures a portion of the ice. This process contributes to the presence of water during the Earth's formation, rather than relying on asteroids delivering the water 100 million years later. Zaro and colleagues reached their conclusions by studying silicon isotopes in order to understand the mechanisms and timescales of planetary formation. By analysing the isotopic composition of more than 60 different meteorites and planetary bodies, they were able to establish the relationships between rocky planets like the Earth and Mars and other celestial objects. This approach allowed them to determine the type of building blocks that assembled to form the Earth and the process by which they came together. Pizarro says the findings, if confirmed, are important because they tell us something about planets outside our solar system as well. With this new planetary formation mechanism, the chances of finding habitable planets in our galaxy is much higher than previously thought. See, habitability is the potential of a planet to have the right ingredients at its surface for life to develop. And one of the key ingredients for habitability is liquid water. Zara says his hypothesis predicts that wherever you form a planet like Earth, you will have water on it. If you go to another planetary system around another star about the same size as the Sun, then any planets in that system at about the same distance as what the Earth is from the Sun should have water on its surface. This is Space Time.
And time now to take another brief look at some of the other stories making news in science this week with a science report. It's been revealed that Santos's retired legendaire oil and gas field off the Pilbara coast of Western Australia has been leaking gas into the atmosphere for decades and governments have done nothing to fix the problem. The revelations by the environmental group Friends of the Earth indicate that methane gas is leaking from 26 locations in the field. Methane is a major greenhouse gas, 80 times worse for global warming than carbon dioxide. Friends of the Earth campaigner Jeff Waters says these methane leaks aren't being counted in the national greenhouse accounts, even though Labor and Liberal governments have known about them for years. Waters says the covering-up's an outrage and likely to be just one example of many. He says the real question is how many of the 90 or so retired gas fields around Australia are also leaking. Waters says if Santos can't clean up its own mess, then engineers from Europe should be brought in to solve the problem, and Santos should pay for it. A new report on the strength of the world's nuclear weapons arsenals is showing that China and Russia are both expanding their nuclear stockpiles and doing so by far more than any other country. The latest assessment by the Stockholm International Peace Research Institute comes as global geopolitical tensions continue to rise following the Russian invasion of Ukraine and China's ongoing aggression against Taiwan and its other neighbours. In fact, the biggest nuclear weapons increase was in China, which saw its stockpile rise from 350 to 410 thermonuclear warheads. Russia's nuclear stockpile also grew from 4,477 to 4,489 in the wake of Moscow's announcement that it was suspending participation in the START Nuclear Weapons Reduction Treaty. India, Pakistan and North Korea have also increased their nuclear stockpiles. While intelligence reports warn that Iran is now close to testing their first nuclear weapon despite continued denials by Tehran. The total number of confirmed nuclear warheads among the nine known nuclear powers now stands at 12,512. Of those, 9,576 were located in military stockpiles ready for use. That's 76 more than a year ago. Scientists have developed a single-dose injection to stop cats getting pregnant. A report in the journal Nature Communications claims the injection delivered a specific hormone known to suppress the maturation of ovary follicles. Scientists found the gene therapy injection was able to prevent ovulation in cats involved in a proof-of-concept study, and they found no adverse reactions even two years after the injections. AMD have launched their new 9754 and 9734 Super Begamo processors, which will be used in computers, data centers, and artificial intelligence. Technology editor Alex Zaharov-Royt from Tech Advice Start Life is in San Francisco for the launch. AMD has been a thorn in Intel's side for about 50 years. They were actually the first company to reach the 1 gigahertz processor way back in the day when uh, we were still living in the land of the megahertz. And although Intel did launch its core i3, i5 and i7, throughout much of the 20, uh, you know, the 2000s and the 2010s, they kind of coasted. And AMD's technology fell behind. And about five years ago, they launched the Ryzen processor on the Zen architecture. And they have taken the fight to Intel in an incredible way. They've, they've been pushing the state of the art with the x86, both in desktops, laptops, and servers. And let's not forget that it is AMD who makes the processors 
in the PlayStation 5 and the Xbox consoles. So they do an extremely great job at pushing forward graphics and computers that are dedicated to games. And in fact, even Asus had their new ROG Ally, a little handheld Nintendo Switch-style device, running on the AMD Z1 Extreme processor, which does an incredibly good job at delivering desktop-class power in a handheld device. So at this launch, they launched their new Epic 9754 and 9734 server processors, codenamed Bergamo. And these are designed specifically for cloud-native computing workloads. There's a one-and-a-half-hour keynote. You can go to amd.com. You can watch the keynote. They also had the uh, 9004 series processors with new 3D V-cache technology, which is also for high-performance technical computing. These are computers for data centers. And the big thing they had launched last November was their uh, epic you know, fourth-generation series, of which these processors are an update to and deliver 20 30% of improvements over the, just from nine months ago. But the big change with uh, Zen 4 was that one AMD-powered server could do the work of five Intel servers at half of the power consumption. And a lot of demanding applications are licensed per server or per processor. And if you just have one processor in one server that, that did the job of five servers, you can cut down on your costs for the licensing, but you can also cut down on your energy costs by a huge amount. You've got a 100% performance boost from the third gen to the fourth gen. That normally takes several generations to achieve that sort of an uplift. Then the data center manufacturers have all this extra space that they can put new technology in. They've got space back and they're lowering the cost. So AMD also launched something called the Instinct MI300. These are AI-enhanced, AI-specific processes. They can run an entire Falcon-based 40 billion parameter large language model, the LLM, that is powering things like ChatGPT and, and Google Bard. They can do that on one process, one computer. I mean, people like, like NVIDIA, one of AMD's biggest competitors, they actually just hit temporarily a $3 trillion valuation because a lot of their chips are used to power these AI data centers. So AMD has given data centers the ability to install these AI-focused servers. And they're also the first x86 processor maker to include a specific AI neural engine. We hear about them for iPhone chips and Android chips, but we've never heard about it for x86 processors. So we've got the AMD Instinct, which has got this advanced accelerator for generative AI. But they also have the new desktop and mobile processors, the 7040 series, some of which come with this AI enhancements. And at first... What they're talking about is pretty basic stuff. They're talking about how it will easily blur your background on video calls. It'll allow your eyes to be looking as though they're looking at you, even though you're looking down at the screen so I can reposition your eyes. And also it gives you this extended battery life. And in fact, they were even able to compare it against a Mac Pro 14-inch running an M2 Pro processor, so not the M2 Max or the M2 Ultra, but the M2 Pro. And they were claiming an additional 15% of battery life. So AMD is doing some pretty amazing stuff to keep x86 the intel type of architecture the windows architecture chips more powerful more relevant they're kicking intel's butt they're doing deals with uh, hps and lenovo's and dell's to get many more computers out there with amd and they're leading in the data center and they're doing special work on ai uh, all these things we rely on all our apps use are all hosted in data centers we're using more AI than ever before so amd is coming out at the right time with uh, the things companies need to upgrade to the next generation that's alex sahara Royd from techadvice.life That's the show for now. 
Spacetime is available every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday through Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Spotify, Acast, Amazon Music, Bytes.com, SoundCloud, YouTube, your favorite podcast download provider, and from SpacetimeWithStuartGary.com. Spacetime's also broadcast through the National Science Foundation on Science Zone Radio and on both iHeartRadio and TuneIn Radio. And you can help to support our show by visiting the Spacetime store for a range of promotional merchandising goodies. Or by becoming a Spacetime patron, which gives you access to triple episode commercial-free versions of the show, as well as lots of bonus audio content which doesn't go to air, access to our exclusive Facebook group, and other rewards. Just go to spacetimewithstuartgary.com for full details. And if you want more space time, please check out our blog, where you'll find all the stuff we couldn't fit in the show, as well as heaps of images, news stories, loads of videos, and things on the web I find interesting or amusing. Just go to spacetimewithstuartgary.tumblr.com. That's all one word, and that's Tumblr without the E. You can also follow us through at StuartGary on Twitter, at SpacetimeWithStuartGary on Instagram, through our Spacetime YouTube channel. And on Facebook, just go to facebook.com forward slash Spacetime with Stuart Gary. And Spacetime is brought to you in collaboration with Australian Sky and Telescope magazine, your window on the universe. You've been listening to Spacetime with Stuart Gary. This has been another quality podcast production from Bytes.com. 